It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. And treat work as they treat their school time. That's what you, that's what you should do. Um, yeah. So you are hearing this. Uh, I just don't like how that sounds sometimes. So if you want to use a backup recording, you can. Okay. We're, uh, I mean, we're pretty lenient as far as <laughs> the look and feel of the thing at this point. It's all Zoom calls anymore. So, um, yeah, I think we're okay. That's cool. Yeah. Just just throwing it out there. No, I appreciate the offer. Fancy. I was like, wh- recording what? Like, can you put reverb on your voice or? No, it's just a more, uh, slightly more fidel. I find that like, the internet recording is a little bit tinnier sometimes. Honestly, I have also discovered nobody cares when they listen uh, later on. As somebody who produces like audio video stuff, like I've been kind of disappointed to find out that like nobody actually cares. You That's know, like, exactly, I totally yeah. feel you. It's like, like it's, I've been spending all this time making things sound as good as I can. People are like, hey, whatever. And then it's, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Get hey, crap. Man, I'm listening to this while I'm <laughs> taking a for shower. Everybody. Or doing laundry. I don't care that, you know, about the high and low. I'm not yeah. putting this on my home stereo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That people are like multitasking more as they're listening to, t- to stuff more because we have to listen to everything. Um, I think that there's so much more sort of like intermittent time now because yeah. we're not. It's made, we traded one for the other, right? Like we were before we listened to podcasts on our commute and while we did laundry, and now we just do more laundry and cook more. And yeah, yeah. it all balances out. It does. I was frustrated at the level, and it was something I'd never noticed before. It was like, why does the bathroom keep getting dirty? Like I just <laughs> cleaned it. So either I'm forgetting what day it is, which there's a really good chance of that, or everybody's using it. Like, I never realized before. this is the dumbest thing I've come to, but you know, this is quarantine time. It's not dumb at all. I mean, think of all the think pieces that people came up with on why are we running out of toilet paper? And yes, there's a certain amount of hoarding going on, but it's actually a supply chain issue. Yeah. People were pooping at work. <laughs> and they and so now they're doing it at home. Right. And we need that product at home. And that's actually a totally separate product. It really so, is. I didn't think of it that way. Like, well, and, and then you get like your stress poops put in there. So you're going, or. That could, there could be an argument for that as well. We could probably change the subject on this flag right now. <laughs> <laughs> Straight off the rails. I love it. So. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we do. I didn't intend to talk about stress pooping today, but hi, Tim. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. How are you? How long has it been? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, I've seen you in the past couple years. Yeah, I think we've seen each other in the last decade. Yes. But before then, it's been probably close to 20 years. We met roughly 20 years ago. Yeah, because you were, what year did you start at Otterbein? I started at Otterbein in the fall of 2000. Okay. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And I was there. And uh, I was there as a uh, design technology major. You were. Uh, but you, correct me if I'm wrong, you directed me in a short piece. I think the only acting I did while I was at Otterbein. Oh my uh, God. I don't even remember the name of the piece. I just, it was, it a, was, it was a scene that okay. you needed somebody for. <laughs> like Tim, here's a 20, come do a scene with me. Right, exactly. Uh, I and think, I think you came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I didn't know you were going to be so good. <laughs> Weird, you know, it wasn't a backhanded comment, compliment. I don't think that was the intent, but uh, I, I took it well. I got a couple of those while I was at Otterbein, now that I think about it. You know, I think that that, that was always the, the interesting part is that some of the design tech people were incredible actors. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, I just decided to go a different route with it. Well, I think my sort of uh, cost-benefit analysis when I was applying to Otterbein was I, I, everybody who gets into theater, you know, when they're, for me, 12 or whether they're in high school, they get into it in acting. They're not, you know, they don't invite a 14-year-old to come and stage manage a production uh, off the boat, mm -hmm. but they, and then you sort of realize I'm either this good or I am not this good, but I'm still passionate good, about it. But I'm still passionate about it. Yeah. I don't know where the echo is coming I from. Yeah. I don't know where the echo is coming from. That might be on my end here. Let me see if I can fix it. So, uh, and then I just decided to go into design technology and stage management. And I thought I wanted to do directing, but like it was, it, it is a prestigious program. It is. So I didn't know that that was your directing was your intention to go. Um, no, I just think I, I had dabbled in it. And I think I like many other things, I sort of wanted to understand the whole space. Yeah. And so maybe it was even getting into producing or, you know, certainly not writing was never really my thing. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I left and got a degree in economics. There you so, go. That's, you know, just a very similar thing. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, if it makes you feel better, I graduated and moved to Kentucky where I taught people how to do home repair. So how did that, what does that mean? I have no them how to do home repair. Uh, I worked for an organization, a nonprofit after I graduated. Like I stayed away from theater for eight years. You get burned out. Yeah, <laughs> you do. I mean, and I think too, like, did you ever get to direct while you were there? No. I don't think so. Not that I recall. Okay. I did a little before and a little bit after, but I don't think I did while I was there. Because it didn't go well for me at Otterbein. Okay. When a certain professor, the only statement was, I didn't get it. You presented and you directed something, presented it to them, and their statement was, I didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, I could give you three guesses. You could probably figure out which professor it might have been, um, but... <laughs> well, what's interesting is it, I... I I can probably name all of them, but I had very few of them. I was only there for a year, basically. Okay. Uh, and I did, you know, design DTs, we're going to call them, design technology majors, don't interact with the acting or directing or, no. you know, so. Did you, did you like any of the other technical aspects of, I mean, because you had to do everything, right? You had to do 
scenic design and lighting and costumes and all of that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You do, yeah, and you, we took survey courses. I think all the freshman uh, BFA students did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't really like, I'm glad I understand how a shirt is constructed now. Uh, and I certainly understand electricity a lot more than I did before I went. Uh, and I know how to build things, you know, yeah. because yeah. of that. Um, and I know, and I know how to uh, figure out whether they need to be built well, or if they need to be built to look good. Uh, yes. So, and I know how to do both. So, but I also got some of that. You're not from Columbus, right? I am from Columbus. Yep. Yeah. We're, we're low. Uh huh. So is Ben. Do it. Yep. Well done. <laughs> Look at your memory after two I, I knew it. Well, what's fun? I was, I, you know, you do a little bit of research ahead of time. Uh -oh. And I was like, oh, I didn't know she wasn't from here. Oh. I was like, I, I could have sworn she went to Gehanna. Yeah. But so my, I had gone to a vocational theater program in high school. Did you do Fort, Fort Hayes? I did Fort oh, Hayes. Okay. Uh, and so, and a huge part of that was learning load bearing equations and how to build things and all the sort of like um, the, the individual things that you need, that you may not ever use, but if you're working within this craft, you should know yeah. how much work went into something being built or how to develop a dialect or anything. Wow. So, did you do, how many years did you do at Fort Hayes then, all four? So that's a, that's a two year program, so okay. uh, half day. Uh, it is a high school too. My brother and sister went there, but I went to cause Columbus Alternative uh, for the rest of my time. Wow. Yeah. Where would you have gone to high school had you not gone through the alternative? I grew up just south of Clintonville, so I would have gone to Whetstone. Okay. So. And were you born here? Uh-huh. So Riverside, you... Riverside Methodist <laughs> Hospital. Uh, I'm still, other than my time at Otterbein and a little bit of time living uh, in the Milo Grogan neighborhood, I've lived in the same zip code for almost 40 years. Wow. So, and I, I don't think I'm not worldly, <laughs> like, no. you know, no, no. I, and I know that you're not, you're not saying that at all, but like, I mean, my mom lived in New York, so I yeah. spent a lot of time there, but like, I like it here, like North campus, short North. It's also a very long zip code. Oh yeah. So, well, uh, I mean, because you've been here the whole time, you've seen the drastic change that Columbus has been through. Mm -hmm. It's different than when we were kids growing up very much. It's a, well, and it depends on where you're at, right? It depends on, uh, I mean, Franklinton was not even thought of. I mean, it was just the bottoms. Like mm -hmm. that's what Franklinton was. Yeah. Uh, and so the extreme amount of development there, I said a lot, I don't think I've said it in a while, but I used to say um, that the reason that I stayed here is because I had so much human capital built up mm. that like I knew people from high school or from, I mean, with that year I was at Otterbein, I was practically the tour guide uh, for, for other freshmen who were coming in to Westerville, yeah. didn't know anything about Columbus at large. 
and we would go to, I would be like, oh yeah, that's campus. Yeah. But campus is actually where I grew up, so. It's true. Campus scared me. I don't know why. When I went to Otterbein, it was, Ohio State was just too big. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, and it feels like, I think to an outsider, it feels like a big city, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, I mean, it's at the time, the largest universe, undergraduate population in the country. Yeah. We're still hovering around there. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a whole, it's a beast. It is. Where did you get your economics degree then? So I got my uh, economics degree at Ohio State. Economics, 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 economics. How elitist do you want to be? I don't. Uh, ec- uh, <laughs> e- economics. Economics. Yeah. But if you're studying it, it's economics. Really? I think, I don't, somebody was telling me the other day that uh, they don't do research, they do research. <laughs> research. Right. Research. And it's just, it, it's, it, okay. yeah, but they're getting a doctorate. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's Caribbean. It's just an elevated, pinky up in the air way of saying it. And they were being self deprecating at the time as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so is that like a pinky up in the air? Oh, yeah. That's, it's, you have to have the pinky up. Uh, when you're holding your teacup. I, I do that so often, you know, <laughs> my line of work. <laughs> yeah. So you're at, I think as of right now, you're at 105 of these episodes. I, are you, would you be 100? I don't keep track. Ben, is he 106 now? You're on mute, love. Got a few in the can. Uh, so I think we're 110-ish. I okay. think is where we are. Yeah. That's, I, I'm fine with whatever. I just want to compliment you on uh, being so consistent with it. I host my own podcast and it is a quote weekly podcast. And I think there were, I think I almost hit 20 last year. It's uh, hard though. I mean, it's a lot. You know, it is. And you've got separate work that you have to do. And I assume this is not your full time gig though. <laughs> it's kind of mine i mean like what we do is we we produce things at my company uh we produce podcasts and video and stuff what's so, the pod, what's the company know, a uh, boxland yeah. media so, yeah yeah so we uh so this is kind of what Great. i do <laughs> so but um yeah no i mean we we were consistent because it's kind of what we started off saying well, we're going to be as consistent as we can get something out at least once a week so we have something out yeah absolutely it's it's been i mean i think we've missed maybe a couple weeks here and there yeah there was- we i mean a few here and there but it's and we've had a few that like we had one that went up and that was pulled down like a day later or something like that for privacy reasons (laughs) yeah somebody disclosed a little bit too much well she was not aware that she was not allowed to disclose but found out after it was already up that she was not allowed to so she wasn't do you want to go ahead and re-disclose it now or we'll wait i (laughs) honestly i think that we may have the opportunity in the future to be able to post it we just have to wait for the larger company that she was working for to say, okay, go ahead and do some advertisement now. I am. So this was, it was, she was working with a company that just didn't want to be talked about. Yes. It was Got it. I'm always interested. In sort of, they want to be 
secretive and kind of i don't know i'm not secretive that's not the dramatic maybe they were, <laughs> about they it just so, save you know. the the the, the reveal the reveal yes yeah. um, i was working for a certain production that was doing something different and they hadn't they're not done with it yet so she was preemptive and she said nobody told me i wasn't allowed to do that so we I'm had always yeah i'm always curious about sort of the non-disclosure agreement intellectual property hey yeah. embargoed stuff yeah uh, yeah because I was in public relations. I think my first real, no, I got this job before I got my act. So I didn't, it uh, It took me 11 or 12 years to get my undergraduate, you know, totally, totally normal. But I was working for the Weiser Center for the Arts uh, doing public relations at the time. And it was like embargoing information about Hey, we've got this show coming, or this person is involved in this. Is it's nor? I mean, it's a tacit agreement, but you expect people to abide by it. Did you like public relations? I mean, you're so good with people; it makes sense to me. Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. It was. I liked the what I was promoting, and that always helps. You know, it wasn't uh, a new product launch or the announcement of uh, a higher adding somebody to a board, I got to write about, uh, my stuff was primarily the performing arts stuff. So I got to talk about a dance production coming to down or a theater production, um, and generating additional media around that, like video and podcasts and stuff like that. When did you do, so this is, we're getting into the meat of this because I'm I'm fascinated to know since you're a fellow podcaster, like when was your first podcast opportunity? You've been doing this for a while. Mm, I think the first one, I think the first one I ever did was at the Wexer Center. Okay. We launched, I think we referred to it as the Wexcast because you just put Wex in front of everything. Oh, yes. Um, the Wex toilets, the Wex, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. All yeah. of it. All of uh, branding is what that is. It's branding. <laughs> it's branding. It's reinforcing your brand. Right, right. Uh, that was, I don't know, I probably did like 10 or 12 episodes and it was interviewing uh, artists that were coming in or people that were related to an exhibition. So we didn't, and there wasn't, we discovered there actually wasn't a whole lot of opportunity around that just mm. based on our location. Uh, the internet was not nearly as stable as it is now. And so we couldn't, there wasn't just a whole lot of opportunity and the turn and the production and the turnaround time had to be so fast, especially for things like, uh, a theater performance that's only here for three days. Yeah. Um, and then a couple years later, I started a podcast called 614 cast, mm -hmm. uh, with, a couple other folks here in town um and i think we did a dozen or so of those and that was really a function of it being hard to get everybody together um the goal with the two other people it was going to be interview based but okay. the goal was to sort of divide the work so that yeah we're weekly but i am only accountable to getting one interview done a month one or two okay um and then that kind of folded. And then I started, then I reached out to Columbus Underground uh, 
because I wanted to keep doing it, but I also wanted, I was a brand new dad uh, with a, a, you know, the mother of my child as well. So I have, I'm accountable to them, right? And I, yeah. hey, I want to do this thing and I want to spend time doing it. And I, I was not told this, I just proactively said it. I need to make a little bit of money to do it. Just validate my time right. with, with right. getting paid. Absolutely. Uh, so I reached out to Columbus Underground. They didn't have a podcast at the time. They had tried it in the past, but it was, again, a, it's a lot of work as Ben knows. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, if you guys sell into it, you can just help promote the podcast. So I didn't have to worry about sponsorship or anything. And uh, they were very open to sort of whatever I wanted to cover. Wow. Uh, and so I've continued doing that for a you, while. Like four years, haven't you? I think so. Yeah, wow. about four years. That sounds right. Who was your Whereas, first guest? Do you remember for that one? Up? Who was your first guest? For the Confluence cast? Yeah. Oh, we did. Um, there was an issue on the ballot, issue one. Uh, or was it the city council? I think it was, I don't even remember what issue one was, but I, uh, I remember, no, it was city council. We interviewed every city council candidate. Oh my god! Or gosh. I did. Yeah. Uh, and it was great. It was awesome. Uh, and really, a, I, again, I had done some podcasting before, so I understood the idea of editing, um, yeah. but then took all those uh, interviews putting them together into a highly produced thing. Frankly, I've never done that much work again on it <laughs> because I'm like, it's a whole lot easier just to interview one person yeah. and, uh, you know, cut out the us and whatever, however heavy handed you want to be in the editing and then put your bumper music and your bumpers in and you're all done. So, yeah. So you had to do all the editing then too. Uh-huh. That was part of the value proposition for Columbus Underground is I'll I'll give you this fully produced product. Just give me some advertise and not every episode is sponsored. Yeah. But give me some advertisers so that I can validate my time. Absolutely. Who's been your favorite? Because you've had some heavy hitters over the years. I uh you love all your children, obviously. Most uh yeah. Some of the good ones, uh, I've had the opportunity to interview uh, Cleve Ricksecker, who's the former, um, immediately former executive director of the Downtown Special Improvement District. Okay. Um, and while that may sound super boring, he is such a dynamic guy in terms of speaking truth to situations. Yeah. Huge advocate for transit. Um, very willing in my very first my first interview with him i've only done two um he very quickly said do you know why people don't ride the bus and i said no why and he said because it's for poor black people huh. and he of course was being he was he was uh uh putting forth a common view he doesn't believe that he doesn't believe the bus yeah. is for poor black people but he uh, recognizes and is willing to say, this is the assumption people have about it. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what people discovered when they started um, 
riding the bus for themselves, whether they had some incentive to do so or yeah. whether it was out of necessity. So um, people like that, Scott Woods, who owns, um, oh, uh, who owns Streetlight Guild, okay. um, who now has a column in the Columbus Live called The Other Columbus, which is just about um, racial disparities in the city, um, is fucking fantastic in terms of the insights he has. Yeah. Um, and through sponsorship of GCAC, gotten to interview a lot of great artists, which as again, I have a background in, um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting tons of folks who I enjoyed interviewing. Well, over four years. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> a few names to remember. Did you ever, was there ever a guess that uh, you were nervous or kind of like geeking out to interview or? Uh, a little higher stakes than others, I guess. To come to mind, there's an amazing choreographer who's actually based in Columbus, B.B. Miller, uh, who I got to interview for the Columbus Underground podcast. Um, and I totally whiffed it. And I totally, I didn't, I don't have a background in dance, so yeah. I don't understand how to talk about it. Mm. And while I I whiffed the beginning of the interview, basically, like, sort you know, it was clear to me, it may not be clear in the recording, it was clear to me that I was not asking questions that were framed correctly or made any sense. And when I took my uh, sort of presumption of preparedness out of it and started asking more questions about how should somebody view dance and how is dance created and just sort of boiled it ab all the way down. Yeah. Um, I learned so much and got so much from her. Mm. Um, the other person uh, I got to, some people may be familiar with him, but there's a, um, a DJ and musician in Columbus who's also based in Columbus, but is internationally known, RJD2. Okay. Uh, who does a whole lot of commercial work, but uh, he, I got to interview him again through the GCAC partnership um, and super nice guy, super willing to basically talk through the business side of things. Like, how does this work? Like, right. how do you do backing music for a, um, for a car commercial? Yeah. Uh, like stuff that you just don't think about. And I'm, I think the one, in addition to the, the uh, performance scratch itch that I get to scratch by being performative, I get to sort of, I like to figure out like, how does this work? Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, I've really enjoyed that. Yours is, and your podcast is a little bit more, I mean, obviously, you know, we have a real strict <clears throat> line of questions that we're following here. Right. Well, when I, and when I prepped for today, I was like, I just got to be ready for a conversation. This <laughs> is gonna be, we're going to talk about anything and everything. We do. We do. Um, well, and I mean, then that was, that was kind of our intention from the beginning with this is like, let's just talk. I don't, mm -hmm. there's some guests that I need a little bit of background on mostly just to understand you I was like man we'll just talk sorry uh, but like <laughs> trying to figure out when you've done an interview how much how much do you have to do I mean do, do you ever go in and feel like completely unprepared to talk to somebody 
I mean, that happened with B.B. Miller. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and also, she's she's an award-winning, internationally known choreographer who happens to be based in Columbus. Yeah. And so when she's told, hey, we want you to do this press interview, it's local, uh, but you're going to be talking about your work. She, of course, was very gracious and gave her time. Yeah. But I think there was a little bit more expectation of that I would know something about dance. Um, but in terms of preparing, I, I do a little bit. Yeah. I try to make sure that I know a little bit of background. I try to pull out a little bit of facts to demonstrate that I know what I'm talking about. Right. But I let them guide the conversation as much as I can because otherwise the answers are going to be super short and they're going to be they're they're treating it more like a deposition of I just need to ask, I just need to answer the question I'm being asked. Right. Don't go any farther. Because <laughs> um, those are the worst interviews, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I haven't, I mean, luckily ours, our format's different enough that I don't feel that we've had very many times where it's like, man, I don't know what to say next. But I mean, it has happened. So what do you, what do you do in those situations? You move on. Politicians, what's funny is all the, most of the politicians that I've interviewed frankly, unless we knew each other some other way, we're, have all, we're always very, here's my, here's my talking point. Here, okay. I'm not accepting the premise of your question. Here's a different answer. Okay, what's your next question? Okay. Um, because they, I think it's because they're so used to um, d answering interview questions from reporters uh, or from constituents, frankly, that they, they, they view their, they're not there. I'm, my job is to fill the hour. Mm -hmm. Their job is to answer the question and move on. Um, but really it's all about pivoting and just sort of being ready to talk. And I ended up kind of defaulting to a pretty basic set of, cause you can ask it to anybody that lives here in Columbus what's good about Columbus? What are we doing well? What's not so good? What could we do better? Yeah. Tends to go towards the end just so that I can get it from everybody. But sometimes I go into that 20 minutes in just to sort of get where I need to go and see what else can be pulled out. Because honestly, the, I think what's a little interesting is not a whole lot of my episodes are um, because something is coming up, it's sort of a state of affairs interview. So they, they don't necessarily, necessarily want to be there. They don't have something to promote. They're just there because I asked them to be there or because someone asked them to be there. Um, so frankly, the better interviews are always the ones where folks just where I can pull out, what do they want to talk about? Yeah. So do you, do you find too that most guests after a while you can get into a place of conversation as opposed to just I mean maybe not politicians because I understand that they're used to the talking points but I mean some right. of the people that you've interviewed where it gets past the place of interview feeling and more just the conversational feel do you mm -hmm. know those people? yeah I think also when I'm 
and I don't know when it comes. It's very similar to being on stage, right? Like you come out, you're faking it at first. No, and I'm that, and not. <laughs> yes, I am. You must have warmed up very well, no, but you're faking it until you sort of feel that rhythm and you sort of get into it. And as soon as I'm able to get into it, as soon as it's able to be a conversation where I interject that like, oh, here's my opinion on this or, oh, so does it work this way? And I'm making some comparison. They realize I frankly give a shit. Re-recording, here we go. Yeah, he's been having some technical issues, so. We'll go for that. We'll just cut out all that part where we talk. You just—that's why you have Ben, so you can splice it all back together. I can't lie, honestly. I saw him disappear, and a part of me just was like, uh, 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 no, like a, "I can't do this! I can't do this part!" No, he's been. I, I don't. I don't know how you do the interviews and the editing and all of that because I'm lucky to have him, where I just basically blather on like an idiot, and he takes care of everything else. Well, you're, first of all, you're not blathering on like an idiot. Sometimes. But it is super, we've done a couple of episodes where it's been at um, the Gateway Film Center, like ahead of uh, the presidential debates, oh, or yeah. the, the primary debates actually. Yeah. And I, we, I would hire in somebody to record. And those I'm just like, I can just do, I don't have to worry about my technical device working I don't have to like look at levels I don't I'm not worried about anything and I truly get to just have fun yeah. um and those what's funny is that I've mentioned none of those interviews when you talk about were you nervous yeah. were they great because they're just but I don't even remember them really because yeah. we're just sort of in the zone right um yeah but like I don't, I'm not tooting my own horn but just add a little bit of like, I interviewed the governor, not sorry, the, I interviewed the former governor and that was great. He was good. Uh, he asked why Ohio, if Ohio was woke enough to ever uh, elect a Democrat again. Um, it's people say funny stuff. Yeah. But it's nice though too, and I mean, you would probably agree in those situations, not to have to think back to every word that you said you know, to think what it, what happened here. Okay, about 20 minutes, maybe 25 in, this happens, should we cut this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, I think that's what yeah. I, do you listen to yours? Do you listen? I mean, I know when you edit, you have to, but if you're not, like, do you listen to your own podcast? I don't listen to it after I edit it. Okay. Um, I am probably a little more, uh, heavy-handed that I need to be in terms of editing okay. and it's something I say to everybody when I start recording just I'm going to edit this for pauses questions that don't go anywhere ums uh and then the joke I make is that my first priority is to make sure is to make sure that I sound smart and then my second priority is to make sure you sound smart that's good that's uh and it frankly that holds true I'm a little bit more prone to edit out my ums or questions that uh, falter a couple of times before I'll edit it there. <laughs> so, but I, I listened to it so far as that. And also, I don't know, maybe I don't even need to do this anymore because do people really listen to it that way? But I write out a list of 
not like time stamped, but lists of subjects we talk about yeah. and put a hyperlink to those things in the basically the show notes, the blog entry okay. uh, when I put it up. I should actually look and see if anybody's clicking on those because <laughs> I don't know. Do I need to do that level of work? Well, kind of like what we talked about, you know, people aren't as concerned, especially now because everything is audio and everything is screen based, you know, or mm -hmm. like, do people care? I mean, as long as you can hear most of the time, it's like, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And do I need like, do the thing is, is like, I think it, I may go back to my time in PR and the basic philosophy in public relations is make it easy for people to write, like make it easy for people to cover what you're asking them to cover, arm them with resources, links, additional audio images to reuse, whatever you have. And that for me is extended a little bit to my audience of like, if I'm, if I talk about something, I don't, unless it's a super obscure thing, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about, for example, in this conversation, talking about that Otterbein has one of 10 uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts theater design programs in the country. That's not important right now, but I will probably put it in the links yeah. of like, here's the program we were talking about, or here's information about B.B. Miller. Yeah. Uh, because I don't need to talk about the type of choreography she does. You can go look it up if you really care. And if you don't, we'll move on to the next thing. That's pretty smart, actually, to like to put the tags in because it's never, I, I guess, I don't think about that as often is that there's pieces and parts that you may be drawn to what this person says about this, but somebody else is drawn to them talking mm -hmm. aspect of things. And well, at the end of the, I don't think it helps. I do a terrible job with adding additional um, things to my like meta RSS feed, stuff like that. But in terms of if somebody really wants to go down the rabbit hole on my podcast, if they look at like the RJD2 interview, they're probably going to see some other musician, they'll see in related links, some other musician that I've interviewed yeah. because it's in the relate in the related links because of how it was all tagged but from a discoverability standpoint i don't think i do a great job of of utilizing the technology yeah do you I'll hire an assistant to do that assistant where are you right yeah no i get it are there what other podcasts do you listen to um well of course uh speak easily toss toss thank you um <laughs> I have no idea who listens. I really don't. <laughs> you gotta get, gotta get this. It, maybe it's best not to have the metrics of that. Part of me that doesn't want to know. Um, yeah. I don't ever want people to feel obligated to commit to it. Does that sound weird? Commit to being inter. Oh, commit to listening. Listening. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have some people that will give feedback. Oh, this guest was amazing, and blah blah blah. But I, you know, it's like I just want it to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Not, to, yeah. not for people to be, because I hate hearing, and I have heard it before, oh my gosh, I haven't listened to your podcast, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't really care, it's fine. It's just your, th it's a thing that you do. And maybe it's because I've worked so long in the arts, like you're used to people not coming to performances. <laughs> <laughs> that, exactly, and I do think that there's, it, 
I don't know why this just popped into my head. It oh, some some people. I don't think you and I fall into this. Start a podcast or something like that, and they almost treat it like multi-level marketing. That they expect that because they did it, and we and we're we're worse now than we were ten years ago because of likes and comments and reactions that people expect, oh, I made this thing. People are, my friends, mm -hmm. my thousand friends on Facebook are going to listen to, consume, watch. And until you've had the experience that you and I have, where it's like, oh, not, not everybody's gonna make time to do that, nor do we expect them to. This might not be their thing. Um, but it's so much, it actually makes it so much better when somebody does highlight it on their own. Yeah. Like share it on their own, yeah. even if it's a reshare, but if they say something nice of like, I listened to this and I thought it was super insightful and it, frankly, it doesn't tend to be about me. It tends to be about my guest. Yeah. Um, did I answer your question? Cause I no, totally forget what it was. <laughs> I mean, again, it's like, I think you and I are kind of in the same boat with this, that there is something to be said. And I, I truly base it back on the fact that when you grow up with theatrical training, it prepares you for things you had no idea were going to come up later in life. Yeah. Well, and I was talking to um, Joe Peppercorn, actually, just to, last week yeah. uh, about the Beatles marathon. And he was talking about why he does the Beatles marathon and like how it evolved and all that. And he got down to a really good point. You don't follow the Enneagram, right? Or do um, you? Been, people are yelling at me not to do it, which clearly tells you what my number is. It's a seven. I don't get it, but I'll get there. <laughs> I think I told a friend, like, could somebody just tell me what number I am? And they're like, that clearly states what you are. Well, what's funny is the. I know one seven very well, and she is the person who is most attached to the Enneagram in terms of uh, um, using it to guide her in sort of like accepting weaknesses and virtues and um, uh, using it basically as an explainer. Um, anyway, Joe was talking about sort of just his need for validation. And I was like, well, I'm an Enneagram three like I know that I need sort of, and it goes back to love language and personality. It goes into everything. Um, but my love language is words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so part of what I'm doing, it's not, a, I'm not uh, making a lot of money at all doing this. And in fact, if, you know, I met somebody at like a dinner party and they said, what do you do? The, the first three things I would probably say is like, Oh, I do startup and corporate consulting. I'm a dad and I, I'm very pro Columbus. Like, I don't think that the podcast would be one of the first three things I say. That's, um, That's interesting. And I really just do it because I like doing it. I think Columbus is important and I want to give a voice to more people. So... But yeah, it is the validation. No, absolutely. It's and, and the acceptance of not getting it. <laughs> to your point. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Do you um do you do like the Myers Briggs? Have you done those before? 
I have not. I've been told I have what my four letter type is, but I don't, that one I don't, I probably subscribe to my astrological sign a little bit more than that. What are you? What's your sign? That sounds I'm a, li I'm a Libra. You're a Libra. What does that yeah. mean? Uh, to me, it means I'm basically the symbol, balance, the ability to see both sides of the, uh, of the coin. Um, and that I know for me, if, if I'm an extreme in one thing at any given time, undoubtedly, I'm going to be an extreme in another thing. I remember, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but listening to your podcast, I feel totally yes. free to just go off on tangents. <laughs> I remember I was probably in high school, maybe a sophomore, and I had just gotten like a really great role. And I think I won concert tickets on the radio and I was having a fucking great day. And I immediately was like, something terrible is going to happen to one of my family members. Like something, th things are so extreme in the good right now that something bad, some, something bad must, is going to happen. Um, that is not a comp, that is not a, uh, a fear that has stayed with me. Therapy has been very helpful. Um, but the, that's where your mind goes. That's where my mind goes is like, this is good. Like if I cook dinner, I'm undoubtedly going to mess up one of the three dishes and, you know, I just hope it's the broccoli and not the, not the chicken. That's true. Broccoli is a little bit easier to throw away. It's easier to mess up and it's easier for my daughter to ignore. Does she like so. broccoli? I gotta know. She does. Yeah, she does. She it's like one of the, it's one of the vegetables I keep in stock all the time. Yeah. Is she picky? She's, I mean, don't, I'm, I've been told I'm not supposed to bring this up to her, but like, she's, she, well, the thing I'm not supposed to bring up, she doesn't like cake. Okay. And I was concerned. <laughs> so were that uh, and I'm not supposed to bring it up to her because the idea of not liking cake is it's not normal. Right. And right. so she perceives it as something might be wrong with her uh, if she doesn't like cake. She's not, she's, she's picky with like new things that she's never had. But as soon as you convince her to eat it the first time, she tends to be fine. Um, she's five. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like at least at this point that she's probably on a good track for continuing. She's very good. I'm also very bad at introducing things to her. Um, cause I'm the, I mean, I'm the kind of guy who, if it was socially acceptable to wear, not, not the same article of clothing, but sorry, not the same physical article but the same clothes every day, I would. What would you wear every day? I would wear a button-up shirt, a blazer, and a pair of skinny jeans every day. What shoes? Uh, probably Chuck Taylors, but I've slowly been migrating into like low-top street shoes. What are low-top street shoes? Like, uh, sorry. Like, it's okay. Oh, those are sweet. Just like tennis shoes yeah. that, yeah, right. something where you can see the socks All and a little, a little bit more support. Are you this, are you a sock person? Like I am now. Socks? Yeah. 
I don't. I think I've gotten rid of all my black socks. Okay. Because it was just like, that. I feel like the the sock thing is like a new trend. Would you agree? I mean, it seems like within the last five years, a lot more people have been doing fun socks. Yeah, and I think it's a, a marketing thing, a little bit. I mean, it inspired me a little. I was before the um, in the before times. <laughs> I was of of yonder. Yes. Yes. I was thinking about, and maybe I'll go back to it when people go into the office again, but I was thinking about uh, uh, starting a pocket square company. Hmm. Just like we would manufacture custom pocket, it'd basically be a pocket square subscription service. What's a, okay, I feel really stupid here. What is a pocket square? Like a handkerchief? Oh, uh, yeah, it's a handkerchief that oh. you put in the- Gotcha, uh, I thought that's what it was, but then I also thought, I mean, I don't wear them. So. The, you, I mean, you've seen it. You oh, put yeah. it in the front pocket of your oh, yeah. blazer or jacket. So, uh, the handkerchief you're not allowed to actually use as a handkerchief. So oh, you shouldn't no. use as a handkerchief. So what do you use a pocket square for? Is it just fashion? It's an adornment. Yes. Is it like a but, It's like a what? When's the Nicky going to make a comeback? That's what I want to know. The Nicky? Dicky. Dicky? Oh, the, the faux front shirt? Yeah. <laughs> don't women still have that? I, I've never had one. I don't know. I think if you go to like Ann Taylor okay. or Dress Barn, maybe uh, they will have something like a Dickie. <laughs> yes. Anyway, be cheap, right? I mean, it can't be that expensive. It's it's like a tenth of a shirt. <laughs> I just don't see the point. True. I mean, like. If you're gonna if you're gonna go for the turtleneck, that's for warmth, right? I mean, it sort of just defeats the entire purpose for me, unless you're going for Eddie from Christmas Vacation. But I, I don't get the dicky. Anyway, I digress. Back to the pocket square. You were gonna start a whole. So the the because this was off of your decorative sock thing. I I think that people in the last five years, it's not just the socks. It's sort of like, like everybody is pretty much. If you're wearing all pretty much the same jeans or you're wearing all pretty much, if you're a woman, you know, the same uh, uh, quote unquote dress yoga pant or what, whatever your like uniform is, right? I am known as the guy who wears button ups and blazers and jeans. Yeah. If you want to spice that up a little bit, it goes to socks, it goes to underwear, it goes to uh, lapel pin, pocket square, Warby Parker, it goes to glass, like low, like low cost conversation pieces. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's what is going on with the socks. Okay. I like that. Do you, so, here's a glasses question for you. Do you have numerous pairs of glasses or do you just use? I always have one go-to. Okay. Uh, and then I also keep, it wasn't until probably last year that I got my first pair of prescription sunglasses. It just felt like such a extravagance that I would do that, that I would have a pair of glasses that was like just for being outside. Um, uh, but yeah, I've got like these, which I, these are my Gordon Gee glasses. And then I've got a pair of Malcolm X glasses. Uh, and I've probably got a, terrible pair of like black heavy frames that I used to wear all the time that I've just retired. 
yeah. I'm thankful that my uh, prescription hasn't doesn't. Once you get old, things stop changing. It's like you don't yeah. have to. When I say old, I don't mean that old. But basically, when you stop growing, it's mm -hmm. like oh, I buy new shoes when they wear out, not when I grow out of them. Uh, here's, here's an interesting piece though, because I just went to the eye doctor and yelled at him for aging me, because he said you're right <laughs> on track. Because about 42, 43, the need for bifocals comes. I'm like, thanks. And also your prescription gets declined. Like it goes, it has to go down. So I went, I'm not, I don't see well anyway. Four, negative 4.25, negative 2.25, but it was negative 4.5, negative 2.5. So he brought it down. But he said, basically your eyes are aging. So the strain isn't as necessary. I said, can we please stop saying aging? <laughs> just just call it degeneration something that's not hey you're getting old lady and that's what's happening doesn't that infer that you're not using your eyes as much or okay yeah maybe i just don't uh, i don't observe things anymore i've stopped looking at things i stopped watching my children um, i don't i just don't care just don't so I, yeah. my my eyes have relaxed don't care what's out there. Shut the curtains. Maybe that's it. Yeah. But, what's your, because you're, you're approaching 40. You're not quite there yet, right? I'm not quite there. I have my, I'm working through my 40 before 40 list right now. Whoa. Mm -hmm. You don't have to share all of them. What's, what's on the list? Uh, four. So I did this 10 years ago. I did a 30 before 30 list. Wow. And it was things like, uh, buy a car. Okay. Uh, I didn't have a car at the time. I just didn't need one. Um, and uh, I wanted. I thought I wanted to go to auctioneer school to become an auctioneer. Okay. Uh, state of Ohio is very. I don't. This may be the same way in other states, but it's. It seems to me it's quite onerous to become an auctioneer. Okay. Uh, However, after I set that goal, our governor at the time, Governor Strickland, uh, relaxed that you didn't have to go to auctioneer school if you were just doing charitable auctions. Okay. So I didn't do that. Uh, and other, God, what were the other things? I wanted to become a, um, a notary public, stuff like, like yeah. things like that. I accomplished probably 20 of those 30. That's amazing. Uh, so this year, and I said it on my birthday, yeah. and I'm, some of these I will tell you, some of these I won't, but the ones I do tell you, I only tell you to hold myself accountable. Okay, I'm there. Uh, I don't read a whole, I, sorry, I don't read books a whole lot. Uh, so I said, I'm gonna read 12 books, okay. which felt like, what I try to do is set goals that are attainable. Uh, so I'm gonna read 12 books. Um, outlined a couple of road trips that I wanted to take, uh, specifically like with my brother, my best friend. Um, I wanted to do a journaling habit for Piper, for my daughter. Um, basically like talking about like, here's where you're at in your life and here's what's going on in the world around you because you're not gonna remember this and it's crazy. Um, and what are some other things? So the big one that I'm sort of, I, actually nervous about telling you I'm going to buy a house, okay. uh, which will be my first yeah. home that I've owned. Um, hold on. I've got it right here. 
I have to keep it just pulled up on my computer at any given time. Uh, That's a big deal, though. Yeah. Well, and it's I've for a long time been very. Um, I've basically just been an independent contractor since I left the Wexner Center ten years ago. So buying a house is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, but I think I can do it. I'm pretty sure. Are you going to stay in the same zip code? No, probably. I, I don't think I can afford it. Okay. I don't think I can afford it unless I go back up to North Campus, which I kind of don't want to do. Um, Westerville's lovely. You can come up there with us. It's kind of expensive, though. Well, we don't live in the real Westerville, per se. <laughs> oh, you live in the school district. <laughs> That's the way to go. Uh, start a college fund for my daughter and like no commitment to like how much it's going to be. Uh, take a golf class. Okay. Uh, oh, I put it on there again. Become a notary public. Okay. Uh, get a couple more tattoos. Uh, yeah, wine class. Write a living will. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. It's you, kind of all over the map. How do you feel? Because I, I know there's some list people that freak out if their list does not get accomplished. Like, how do you feel if these things don't happen? Mm, I, that's a good question. Uh, so I did a 30 before 30. Yeah. And I, I have no shame in the fact that I only accomplished like 20 of them. I would really like to be able to get this one done. Okay. And like, some of them are very uh, open right now still. Like one of them just says volunteer question mark. Well, there's not a lot well, of place for that right now, but. Well, and also I could just sort of fill that in afterwards and be like, I did this for free. You can call this a volunteer opportunity. I could, yeah. I could, if I, I will mark that down as like, could be that. I will sign off for. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, if that means anything. Very much. No, but like, just, yeah, stuff like that. I applaud you for that. I am not a list person. I'm not a goal oriented person. I think because I'm more concerned that I'm not going to achieve it. Mm. And I don't want to live with that disappointment. I feel like this could go into a whole like four hour long counseling session. So we won't, but that's, I, I applaud you for going forward with it even i mean you've done the the 20 before 30 essentially but yeah so it's just, i mean frankly it's something that at least right now it and i've gone back to not going into my office yeah. it's something where it's like i've got two hours right now that normally i would have been spending commuting or something that like hey maybe i can knock more of that book off the list or how about I research, how do I get a will? How much is that gonna cost me? Or what, uh, what do I need to do to, to start that process? And I'm the kind of person that would, it would be, you know, if my birthday is August 12th, I'd probably start on August 10th um, and look through the list and realize I'd done nothing. So I would go out and find somebody named Will and check it off and be like, well, I found a <laughs> um, <clears throat> notary public. Uh, no, to republic, check done. Like I wouldn't, Terrible. And I'm the kid that like when you had summer reading projects, that mm. was a nightmare. Sometime three weeks before it was due that I would, you know, like the actor's nightmare, but it was in school. 
Yeah, no, I totally feel you there at, about like summer readings. Like, I think I just clenched up a little bit when you said summer reading. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I won't do some of it. And like one of them is host a poker night and maybe I'll trade that out for a dinner party. Um, you know, it's, it's just like, oh, these are goals. Yeah. They don't have to be hit. They're not deadlines. That's it's, awesome. They're just goals. That's awesome. No, I like that. That makes me feel better about not accomplishing anything that I've ever had on a goal list. Just People are brain like, dump. It feels good. I should write them down. You've encouraged me to do that. So good. where can we find your podcasts? Uh, you can find the, uh, the Confluence Cast at theconfluencecast.com. You can also just go to confluencecast.com and it'll redirect you. Uh, that was a bad thing I did. Uh, yeah. And when do your episodes drop typically? Uh, Any time during the week. I don't have a set schedule okay. uh, for that. I, it's not, frankly, the biggest thing is it's not in my workflow. Uh, and it's all about uh, when do I get sponsors that I have to fill and when do I line up uh, interviews that I want to do. So, awesome. but I encourage you to listen. I think it's pretty good. Yes, I do. I like your podcast. I, and I love the fact of how we have, I mean, obviously we've got our mutual friends that we know through college, but mm -hmm. hearing people like my friend Dino, it's like, oh, I loved him, he's awesome. You know, just to, to hear how, how much of an influence you have been over the podcasting, which has grown so much in the last couple of years, so. Mm -hmm. well, well, and that, I think, it's almost like, it's very similar, I don't know if I'm going over on time, but it feels very similar to some other stuff I've done in that, I do it because it didn't exist. Like there wasn't a Columbus centric podcast. And now, <clears throat> and shortly after I started doing it, the the Chamber of Commerce started doing its own podcast. I don't know if that still exists. And there's like three different entrepreneurial podcasts now. And that's partly, I'll totally admit by virtue of um, the podcasting space in general, but like when I, so I founded, this is going to be me tooting my own horn. I founded my first nonprofit when I was 18. It was right after I left Otterbein, I think. Wow. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I we incorporated it on my 21st birthday. Okay. Um, it all, you know, 18, 21. Uh, but it's it, years it, with a lot of alcohol involved. It's fine. And yeah. it was meant to expose people to, um, outsider quote-unquote artists visual artists um by way of throwing parties with bands huh. uh, because there were not music and art events in columbus at the time yeah. and when people started seeing it being like oh we could do it that way our benefit event could have our arts organization could have an event that had live music that doesn't deteriorate the value of the visual art, I, we stopped doing it because yeah. I didn't, I was like, I don't need, somebody else is doing this and they're doing it better at this point. Yeah. I don't need to be the best at it. I was doing it because I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, and I feel frankly the same way about podcasting. I'll keep doing it, but I don't keep as uh, rigorous a schedule because 
people like you, people like Dino, um, again, the entrepreneurial field in Columbus, a whole lot of, that's, I, we haven't mentioned it. Like I started the Columbus Podcast Festival mm-hmm. almost to sort of join those folks together yeah. so that they, so that people could see what other people were doing because very similar to putting out a podcast, not knowing what your, um, what your listener base is, yeah. we're working in silos. Even if there wasn't a pandemic going on, right. you, when you put something on the internet, it's just on the internet and the guy, the guy two apartments down might be doing exactly the same thing huge opportunity to cross pollinate audiences um and i'm sorry little i can't believe i didn't name uh ohio versus the world uh, alex alex hasty's podcast um to compare notes cross pollinate audiences and sort of you know rising tide helps all boats and no I i don't need i don't need to be the best at it i just wanted to bring it to the fore I, I loved, and I'm sad that it didn't happen this year, but doing the podcast festival, I went, you know, we had just started, so we weren't really a part of anything, but just going and chatting about our podcast to a couple of other people, it was like, here's my card. I'd love for you to come on. I mean, it was such well, a- Well, you saw the awards, not even the full festival, right? Yeah, yeah I just yeah. ceremony. Well, we didn't do the full thing that year. Yeah. Because um, that's- that's, we can talk about uh, uh, volunteerism, actually, and like board structures, holding people accountable and all that another time. Yeah. Um, but that's a whole other bag of stuff. Okay, well, you just said it then, you have to come on again. So you're, you're now volunteering for two hours. Uh-huh, I'll sign sure. <laughs> happy to happy happy to impart my my little bit of knowledge that i have I, honestly tim i would love to have you come on again and do um do a live session because the number of people and ben will probably attest to this the number of people that we hear that say like oh i'd love to start a podcast mm-hmm. that that don't ever end up doing it because they don't really know what they're doing or they yeah. come like i can't help you i i have i mean to- i've probably done like half a dozen like Westerville Library had me up there. Like, how do you start a podcast? And like, it's a, it's a, <laughs> people are super interesting as to like why and like what, what do I need? And like, the thing is, you only need a phone. Like, at the end of the day, if you want to just put something out, mm-hmm. um, and we can talk about, let's, we'll put a pin in it, but I just want you to remember. The idea, uh, so my business, my philosophy around a lot of things, and I think I'm going to write a book about it. Ooh. I'm not putting it on my list, my 40 before 40 list. That's 50. It is, podcasting is like so many other things, and a whole lot of things in your life are this way, that you can, um, you can have as many cats as you want, but you have to feed every single one of them. Interesting. And it's sort of, and I feel that way about the podcast where I'm like, I re- I got to do at least one so that like, it doesn't like completely fall off or I just need to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, get rid of that. And <laughs> what's that? Get rid of that cat. You got to get rid of the cat. And <laughs> frankly, the philosophy, I'm going to add this as a chapter. Don't kill the cat, <laughs> give it to somebody. Okay. You no, know, don't just stop feeding it. Yeah. 
don't like as long as you know like with the uh the nonprofit i was talking about somebody else took that cat and they did a bit and they grew it into a lion Aww. uh let's extend that metaphor way too far <laughs> um but there's that is something i'd be interested in talking about too because that's the other part of my podcast is i don't really talk about myself well good we just need to do this again then yeah i, I think i agree yeah, let's do a live. Let's plan a live and... What does that mean? Like a Isn't Facebook this... live where people can ask questions during and get answers. Oh, in okay. They... <laughs> he seems really right. interested. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm in... I'm... I'll do it. I know you will. I'll make you do it. <laughs> cool. Well, my gosh, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, we didn't, we didn't go down any crazy rabbit holes besides the toilet paper thing, but... Yeah, crazy. We'll start and end on just stress poops. Stress poops. Stress poops, ladies and gentlemen. Stress poops. Book ended by stress poops. You know, That's... sounds like a day in quarantine, doesn't it, ladies? <laughs> Indeed. Thank you, guys, both, Krista. Oh, thank you very much. And if you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, um, iTunes, SoundCloud, all those things. YouTube. Um, you know, just do all those lovely things. Check out the Confluence Cast. And thanks for, thanks for listening. Right. Thanks again. See you guys. Bye. Good to see you. Foxland Media. Think big.